Con Radio, presented by Wizard World. Radio for Geeks. Hi, this is Christopher Daniel Barnes, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture right here on Wizard World's Con Radio. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Ryan. And we have got a very special episode for you today. This is going to be, hopefully, our uh, offering for, what, Free Comic Book Day. So mm-hmm. we can't give you a comic, obviously, so we're going to give you a free episode. Free uh, Canned Air Day. Episode. Yeah. <laughs> free Canned Air Day episode. Mark your calendars. <clears throat> Perfect. Don't change a thing. <laughs> Today we got the amazing opportunity to talk with Christopher Daniel Barnes, who has voiced Prince Eric in The Little Mermaid, Greg Brady in the uh, Brady Bunch movie and Very Brady sequel, and Spider-Man, most famously in the 90s cartoon, but uh, throughout many different video games and incarnations since then. And Wow, what a fun talk that was, Completely right? Completely I mean, awesome, dude. Absolute pro. Like I was telling you guys, I typically, uh, you know, I'm nervous at the top of these interviews and kind of wind down, get settled in as they go, but I was just nervous the whole time. We're talking to Spider-Man here, yeah, you know? Yeah, big deal. But yeah, we got to talk with him about uh, what it was like to play these iconic roles and what he's got in store for the future. Uh, some short stories like the one he has on... The Warrior. Yeah, yeah. Amazon and... Uh, Animated project, uh, War of the Rocket Men, which Sounds hopefully awesome. gets funded. We'll yeah. have to put some. Uh, My interest is highly picked for that one. Yeah. yeah. And also some very interesting insight on comic books and just just the mythos behind them. He's I mean, got a genuine passion for what he does. That's the truth. The and difference it, between the big twos. Yeah. It really made me think about comics. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. We'll quit blabbing and just let you hear the interview for yourself. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our interview with Christopher Daniel Barnes. Enjoy. Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking time to talk with us tonight. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm sure that was probably a hard decision to make with Civil War being out there. I don't know if you're a fan of the uh, Marvel Universe, but uh, yeah, thank you. Might have a passing familiarity. (laughs) Yeah, I've been known to read a comic or two. (laughs) I got to ask, are you uh, Team Cap, Team Iron Man? I'm uh, I'm a team cap guy. Uh, yes, sure. man out, I'll, Jake. I'll find an ally one of these Do you plan on uh, going to see it? Oh, absolutely! Can't wait to see it. I think I'm going to go to uh, see the movie uh, this probably I think Sunday, maybe. Nice. I think we're yeah. going tomorrow. Free comic yep. book day. Nice. Good times. All right. Well, let's just uh, jump right into it. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. How did you first get into uh, screen and voice acting? Well, let's see. That started uh, back when I was living in New York. Uh, I guess it was 1981. My God. Um, <laughs> right? God, it's amazing how the time flies. Yeah, it is. Uh, I was, uh, my mother got me into the, uh, into the business. Um, she met an agent uh, on a bus, I believe it was. And uh, the agent said, oh, you know, we, we were talking and chatting and about just who knows what. And I said, hey, why don't you, you know, Bring him on in, and we'll do some uh, reads and see if he's uh, you know got any talent. And I, don't, I, I still don't know if I have any talent, but at least I know I got the I got the agent. <laughs> <laughs> that was the beginning of uh, that was the beginning of the end. <laughs> oh, you've got talent, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> so it uh, just sort of snowballed from there. I started with commercials and voiceover, and and then uh, you know one thing led to another, and then I did a soap opera, and then I did a series called Starman, which brought me out to uh, Los Angeles in 1986. And then I, I, that show ended, and then I did a series uh, uh, called Day by Day after that, and then uh, it just you know kind of kept going from there, and uh, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's well, awesome. There's uh, been a lot of different cameos you've done over the years. Uh, one in particular I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you were on the Golden Girls once or twice, right? Yes, I was. That's right. I played this sort of obnoxious uh, jock, this uh, sports guy. I think he was the quarterback or something back uh, forever ago. Yeah, that was fun. So what was it like to work with them? Well, they were delighted. I mean, it was only, you know, a week and it was many, many years ago. But uh, I had a very positive experience and everybody was very professional. And, you know, these are these are living legends. You know, I mean, these are people yeah. who have been in the business for so many years and they're just they're on another level. And you're just happy to sort of, you know, be in their presence, be in their presence. Right. I mean, it's just it's one of those things. And I think that's one thing I've been very fortunate uh, to have experienced in my career is I've worked with 
a lot of interesting people and a lot of iconic people and uh and Absolutely. It's, it's just amazing you know it's just it's 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 great i've had great roles and i've worked with great people and uh i've been very fortunate i'm afraid i have to be overly polite working with the golden girls you're like working with your grandma, you don't want to be make them mad or anything. Well, that and B. Arthur, I heard that she was a, a bit of a spitfire. You know, that's a I formidable mean, you said, woman. You said the wrong thing to her; she was going to let you know. You know, <laughs> I don't think I don't think uh, if you got out of line, I think they would let you know in a heartbeat. So I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think you uh, you'd have to be on your best behavior. I know you I know was. I tried to be. It was a long time ago, but. <laughs> So then uh, 1989 comes around. I, I believe that was the same year you were doing uh, Day by Day, correct? Yeah, roughly. Let's see, roughly around. I think it was 87, 88. And that's, uh, that's when I did uh, uh, Little Mermaid, actually. Very nice. Um, that's, yeah, that's where you were going, right, with that? Oh, know. absolutely. <laughs> You've done this a time or two, right? <laughs> um, loads of fun. A wonderful role. And, of course, this is, this is before – this was the first film that sort of launched – the new era of Disney, uh, which is, of course, you know, entirely because of me. I am, I am, in well, fact, responsible. <laughs> goes without saying. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but again, uh, this is another example of just sort of guy who's there in the presence of these remarkable, you know, tremendous talents uh, that that you have the benefit of. of and as I said in this other interview, I, I basically just sort of re- rode the, the coattails of really talented people <laughs> into the into the annals of Disney history, you know. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's a pleasure to be a part of it, and uh, I had a great time. It was wonderful, and uh, to have seen the impact that that has had uh, on people's lives over the years has been a, a real pleasure. Absolutely. I mean, it had an impact on my life. I'm admitting that now to you guys. So don't pick me up or nothing. But at, no. I mean, at the time, I mean, I was probably what, like first, second grade when it came out and it was huge. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you couldn't avoid it. It was amazing. Watched the hell out of it. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Still a cultural staple. Everyone's oh, yeah. aware of it. You know, how many subsequent generations are going to grow up watching that movie the same way we did? You know, it's, yeah. around. No, it's funny. I, uh, I, I actually, it's a, I have a contract. I only do American icons. You know, that's, that's the only <laughs> spider <laughs> Prince Eric, Greg Brady, that, that's it, you know. But uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because it is sort of a legacy thing. Um, I've done three, three, three of the roles that I've done have had that odd similarity. They've, they've been generational and, and been part of a sort of a subculture, the Disney culture and the, the whole Greg Brady, you know, the Brady Bunch thing. Right. And then, of course, Spider-Man. And I've seen people come up to me from at various conventions from you know five to fifty, and it's really interesting to to see uh, people say, you know, thank you for having a, a positive impact on my life or my childhood. Or in one case recently, a woman said, thank you for providing this opportunity for me to spend time with my teenage daughter because now we have something in common. Uh, oh, wow! You know what? A, what a what a powerful thing, you know. And so. Of course, I'm just like, hey, I'm just happy to be a part of it in any way, and I mean, you're welcome. What, what do you say to that? You know? <laughs> right, yeah, really. yeah, exactly. Oh, it okay. was nothing. I mean, Don't worry about no. it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was my pleasure. It was my pleasure to provide this wonderful thing for you. So, <laughs> you it's know, what I do. You yeah. Do what you can do, right? <laughs> so, working for Disney, I would imagine that uh, what happens behind the scenes would be just as magical as you know what's put out to the public is your experience with disney does it stand apart in any way from uh, any of the other jobs you've had yeah i mean i i would say that uh being part of that has i mean that's probably the biggest well i don't know i mean i really shouldn't say that um i think that being part of the disney legacy because disney is just so massive and so many areas of life right. uh and and entertainment and it just seems to be getting larger you know, if I'm remembered for anything, maybe it will be that. You know, I'll be, I'll be an asterisk footnote in history uh, in the Disney, you know, legacy. Um, maybe that's the most interesting thing about it is that you feel that you are part of this, you know, remarkable, powerful, sort of culturally influential um, phenomenon. And, uh, and that's an interesting experience. Again, tangentially, um, but, but still present nonetheless. And, and that's been a real, real honor. Absolutely. Disney really does stand the test of time. Yeah, I mean, it's Cinderella kind of a, and all, you know, what was the very first? Snow White? Was that the very uh, first Disney movie? I think it was, movie? yeah, actually. And still, I think it was, you know. Wasn't it fan, 
Fantasia 39 or yeah I mean it was we're talking yeah. way way back yeah and these are movies that are still uh, you know very popular oh yeah and at the risk of using an extremely dorky term it's like a living tapestry you know oh, you've yeah. got all of this from the ground up still relevant new stuff being added constantly but everyone still remembers the classics everything yeah. kind of resonates you know it's, right. it's still got cultural momentum and I, I don't see it slowing down anytime oh, soon. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. not no, no. It, you know, I think one... it's because they, they deal with so many of the uh, the archetypes, these recurring themes that uh, are sort of universal to the human condition. And, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. You know, we it's see comfortable that in... and familiar, yeah. but they can change things as they go. But that's why Marvel and DC, that's why the comics are so huge, too. Uh, Disney, because, again, it's this participation in this sort of mythic experience which I've said before, you know, people don't really read the, you know, Aeneid or the Iliad or the Odyssey anymore. They don't, right. you know, or, the, or the Mahabharata. I mean, you know, some people do, but it's it's not the same. You know, the modern mythology, the modern immersion in, in that is the comics and myth and Disney and Marvel. And I mean, that's why it's so popular. That, that's what that's what makes these expos so fascinating is that you go to something, you know, like a Comic-Con or a, 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 the whole cosplay aspect. It's It's very... It's it's really addressing the needs of people to experience that sort of primal archetypal immersion, which Absolutely. You know, is supposed to be religion, but it's kind of you know maybe not that way for some people. So they they meet it in this other need and in this other way, and it's fascinating. I hadn't really thought of it in that sort mm-hmm. of religious context, but it does makes a lot of sense looking back on it. Yeah, like it really does. The ways I've almost like paid homage to the things I like, or right. It's well, what sort is, of uh, ritual. What is uh, what is uh, religion but the ritual participation in a mythology? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That's Joseph Campbell-esque coming at you. you know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> there we go, right? That's what it is. So. I'm being and that's cha- why my mind is being challenged here <laughs> right now. You're blowing my mind, man. <laughs> but that's why when people say things to me, like, you know, when they come up to me and they talk to me about Spider-Man or something, it's it's an honor because I feel like I've I've uh, participated in that in that experience for them. And I, and I take it seriously and I think it's important. And I think that people have, have sensed that. So, you know, people will be very honest in, on the internet and, and, you know, the blogosphere and the Twitter and all that. And if they don't like you, they will tell you, they will be absolutely. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. That is a fact. And, and I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of positive feedback and other people haven't. And I think I'd like to, I'd like to think that it's because they sense that uh, that sort of that I take it as seriously as they do, I guess maybe right. is what well, it uh, must be. I mean, it, it'd be easy to to write off something like that as like, oh, it was just another job. It's something I did because of A, B, and C. But like you're saying, you, you seem to have a, an, an absolute respect for what you're doing. That that shows through. People recognize when someone's passionate about something they themselves are passionate about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It feels that way. I mean, some jobs I've done, I just did for the money. <laughs> We've all done that, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, while I did that, and that was our piece of crap, and I did it for the money. And, you know, <laughs> okay. But other jobs are, other other things I've done are sacrosanct, you know? <laughs> right. So I guess that's that. <laughs> Give me a lot to think about. Today. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, jump over to the Brady Bunch movie and the very Brady sequel. Both great movies. Mm-hmm. I was super excited when it came out. Um, I always talk about watching Batman 66 in syndication. The Brady Bunch followed Batman 66 my whole growing up, so I had a very strong connection to that. Um, were you yourself a fan of the show before the movie came along? Yeah, I was a fan of the Brady Bunch in in reruns. I wasn't as fanatic as uh, I think other, other people involved, but... What's interesting is because I was a fan and because I was familiar with the show, stepping onto the set when we did that first film, I can tell you that was an absolutely surreal experience. I can't imagine. I, yeah, to me either. Because yeah. you're, you are, it, it was bizarre. I mean, you're, you're stepping into, it was almost like another dimension. I mean, there's always that feeling of when you're doing, uh, theater or you know something there's that sense of the otherly this this other place set aside for this thing you're doing but that <laughs> i yeah. mean that was that was another level of other otherliness and uh, and again it brought this even though it was an affectionate satire that we were doing it was a very affectionate satire yeah 
there was this reverence that you had. Like, you felt like you were stepping into on the holy ground <laughs> For because sure. it was the freaking Brady Bunch set. It was incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. I would love to see that. I wonder if there's like any uh, set up anywhere. Just a set standing there. Yeah, just... like for tourists to go through. This guy out here mowing the lawn is killing this recording. Oh, <laughs> awful! Time. I keep waiting for him to pass before I say the next thing. <laughs> now there was actually an episode of Day by Day where uh, your character Ross Harper was on a Brady Bunch uh, binge and fell asleep and woke up and had a whole uh, dream sequence with the part of the original cast of the Brady Bunch. I saw that when doing research for this interview, and it was hilarious, man. I was laughing my ass off, especially at the point like when there would be like a sentimental moment between the characters and the that Brady music would come in, and you kind of look up <laughs> at the ceiling like, where is that music coming from? Yeah, it was amazing. Chuck Brady. Yes, Chuck, Chuck Brady. You played the Brady, other brother. Chuck Brady, the lost Brady. I think I might actually have one of those uh, the signs. Chuck Brady, Marshall. They, they were doing that like the for the council school president or something yes. i might actually have that sign somewhere in my storage because it was so ridiculous but that was a really fun episode uh, we had a great time everybody was it was the beginning of of the again the sort of affectionate satire which strangely i then ended up playing greg which some people think they were connected they weren't as far as i knew i i auditioned about i think it was about eight times seven or eight times that i went back on on callbacks for uh, uh for the role of greg for the movie but uh, everybody was very nice, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, it's just, you know, it's funny. Somebody came up to me with a script, like an original script. They had dug out of a vault somewhere, or somebody had had, you know, on eBay or something, and uh, had me sign it. So people actually remember that episode, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. It was funny, man. I was laughing out loud. I wish there were more episodes uh, out and available day by day. It, was, it seems like it was pretty cool. I never caught the original run, but uh, my girlfriend did, and she's downstairs chomping at the bit just because we're up here talking to you. She absolutely loves you. Oh, bring her up, man. I'll, I'll say hi to her in Prince Eric's voice or whatever. You know. That's oh, cool. are you kidding? Of course, oh, man. Wow. Of course I'll do that. Okay, um, bear with me for one minute. I'll be right back. Yeah, sure, man. This would be a great moment to splice in awesome. some elevator music yeah. or something. <laughs> Some Brady elevator music. Right? There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Tie the theme together. So where are you guys located in, uh, are you in Ohio? Is that yeah, we're in Columbus, Ohio. Cool. It's smack in the middle, pretty much. Yeah. That's it. Right Which on. is a, weird. It's like a hot spot of like indie comic artists and writers, yeah. like web comics and such, for whatever reason. It's supposed okay. to be yeah, going pretty big. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's one of those things where it's sort of coincidence and then it spread and spread, or there was one person that told all of their artist friends, like, hey, this is the place to be. Interesting. No, I don't know. You never know. Uh, she's putting on her headphones. <laughs> all right. I'm feeling shaky all the time. <laughs> oh, don't feel shaky. Hi. Hi. I'm, I'm Prince Eric, or Chris. You might know me as Prince Eric. <laughs> uh, I do, but I also know you as Ross Harper. As Ross Harper. Okay, yeah, well, I'll yeah. hit you with the I'll hit you with the Prince Eric voice first. Okay. Is, I know she's out there somewhere, Grims. I just haven't found her yet. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're a dream. <laughs> and then Ross would say something, but Ross was asleep. I think half of the series. I think <laughs> I think I slept uh, 16 hours a day on that show <laughs> with the really? blue bathrobe. <laughs> wow. We were just talking last night about Julia Louis Dreyfus and her. Eileen Elaine oh, situation. Yeah. So <laughs> yes, yes, and and you looking back. I mean, I know you were you were a teenager, but looking back and when you watch Seinfeld, do you see her as Eileen? Uh, of course. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's crazy. She after she did Day by Day, she went on to that, and then uh, Courtney Thornsmith, of course, went on to do all kinds of Melrose, you know, yeah, Melrose Place, and all kinds of things. But yes, I every time I see Julia, I I can't help but think of that. She was so funny on Day by Day, and so of course it doesn't. I mean, the Seinfeld fame made only made sense because she was just so damn funny on everything on Day by Day with everything she did. So, yeah, I, I have to say I definitely still uh, I still see that that quality in her and hear that tone in her voice whenever I I see her on Veep or whatever it is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Oh, well, it's great to talk to you. Oh, <laughs> I speak. What was your name again? My name's Brooke. Brooke. Hey, Brooke. Nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. It's a long time coming. Oh, <laughs> my pleasure. Well, you guys have a great time talking. 
And we'll try. thanks for the interview today. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Yeah, we'll try to make it interesting. Hopefully somebody will watch it and think, oh, that was a good interview. I, Instead I'm sure of, they will. Oh, God, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Never with Prince Eric, no. No. <laughs> I think we'll be sad. <laughs> nice meeting you. Thank you. Anything they can listen to the landscapers. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, they can listen to the guy cut the lawn. <laughs> All right, I am back. Thank you so much. I appreciate oh, that. My pleasure, man. Let's get right back into this. Where were we? I, I I couldn't hear anything you guys were all saying. Oh, so you. you guys were, might have been on a topic, but uh, we were just know. pointing out all your flaws. No, oh, okay, <laughs> no big deal. I guess someone needs to, right? <laughs> going back to the Brady Bunch, where I was going with Day by Day was going to ask you if that episode was any kind of inspiration for the movies, which you said not to your knowledge. But uh, when you took, got the role, did you talk with Barry Williams at all about uh, how to play Greg or anything like that? I did absolutely. As a matter of fact, the scene where I'm trying to sell the record, or, you know, my song to the produ- to producer, the cameo that he has. Yes. Uh, that, that was the scene that we did together. It was very funny. And uh, I had a whole conversation with him about, you know, what, what's your take on this? I mean, the whole Johnny Bravo thing and, and Greg. And I know, you know, it was serious at the time. And now we're doing this, this affectionate satire. You know, how far do you think is too far? And how far is not far enough? And you know, where are the limits? What do you think? And, and he was very gracious in, in his assessment of it. And uh, he just said, just be Greg, just go for it, you know, do. And so I, I basically took that to mean do what I did and amplify it and mock it affectionately and people will laugh. Because if, if you like the character, then other people will like the character. You know, if, as long as they know that you like the character, they'll laugh with you and they won't be like, hey, don't mock our guy, you know, because right. I, I liked the character. He's a fun character. And so I, I think that it translated and, and people, uh, they felt that it was, uh, they felt that it was appropriate and fun. When you're coming from a place of respect, when, you know, yeah, exactly. when it shows that you understand what you're doing and, and the lightheartedness of it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and I think that came across. It was, uh, uh again, I, I always like to use the term affectionate satire. It wasn't, it wasn't some sort of, you know, bitter, you know, vitriolic <laughs> evisceration of, of, you know, the Brady Bunch, you know, right. it's social value or something. It was, you know, we, we, we all liked it. Now you had uh, mentioned Johnny Bravo. I, I had seen on your Twitter page that you mentioned you play guitar. Was this pre or post Johnny Bravo? I, I have played guitar. Well, I, I use that term loosely play guitar. I mean, I can, you know, pluck a few notes, uh, uh, but I've been doing that my whole life, uh, ever since, but my dad was, a uh, played guitar my brother plays guitar. Um, and so I think it just kind of runs in the family. I think I'm, I'm genetically obligated to play a little guitar. Uh, <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> Have some so, uh, undiagnosable condition. If you didn't, <laughs> just my fingers, I can't control them. I was born with calluses right. on my fingertips. Right. Yeah, been uh, you know, I, I was plucking that straightway to heaven, I think, uh, you know, from 13 on. So there we go. <laughs> Now, let's jump over to Spider-Man, saving the, the big one for the last. <laughs> this show was uh, inspirational to so many people, myself included. This show is what got me into uh, the grown-up comics, I guess, or the, what would you call, Marvel comics? Teenager to grown-up comics? In that range, yeah. young yeah. adult, forward. Yeah. yeah. Well, now and, it's full spectrum. Now it's it's the full spectrum of, uh, of age range and human condition. I mean, you can read comics that are, I mean... You know, fully adult and and things that are just for little kids. It's it's got everything yeah. in there now. Are you a fan of what's out now? Like, do you currently read comics, or did you just used to read? Or I don't really read many comics now. I was a big fan in the '80s when I was growing up, and as an adult, I sort of, I just sort of uh, went away from. I think it was after Spider Man. After I was finished doing Spider Man, um, so kind of after I got in my late twenties and thirties, I kind of fell off. Sure. But I'm a huge mythology fan. I'm a huge mm. like you know, J.R.R. Tolkien fan, and and I love myth in general. Um, so that part of me has a voracious appetite for uh, mythology. Uh, I just I tend to have kind of I gravitated away to from uh, from comics into other things. But um, I might be getting back into it just because it's so it's such a dynamic. Uh, community now and it's a, it's such a dynamic range um i actually write really odd dark twisted short stories which are very well suited to graphic novels really? um so i yeah yeah i i um i do I, I i i try to keep that separate from uh from the whole prince eric 
you know, Spider-Man <laughs> break break thing. Because sure. I don't want to freak anybody out. They're going to read this like short story that takes place in a fantasy world about, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and, you know, the sociological implications of that. And I mean, you know, all kinds of really, really dark mythic themes about, you know, murder and rape. And I mean, you know, it's like I try to you know, stay, stay, keep those things separate. But sure. You know, I'm going to have like a page set up pretty soon where I'm just going to put my short stories and with a big warning that says, look, you know, this is Chris. You're reading Chris now. This isn't Prince Eric and Greg Brady and Spider-Man. This is the dark, you know, cathartic mind of of Chris is is over here. So, you know, go ahead and read it if you want. And if it freaks you out, you know, sorry. Well, I'm sold already. <laughs> yeah. That's Are those uh, available to the public? Yeah, you know, actually, I published the first one. I mean, I, I use the term published loosely. I, w- I just, I wrote it and somebody said, hey, you know, you should, you should, you know, publish this. And I said, oh, okay. So I, I did the whole Amazon thing. It's a short story. It's like 20 pages. It's called The Warrior and it's, it's on Amazon. Um, I think I'm just going to put it up on a website and let people read it. I, I feel bad making people I tried to give it away for free, but they wouldn't. They wouldn't do it. So I think I'm just going to put it on like a website, like on a page or something, and and have its own thing. And I'll just have all my short stories, my dark, depraved, you know, short stories, and let people read them. And you know, and just if they want to buy it or pay money, you're fine. I don't care. You click a link or something. But you know, just read it. And if they find value in it, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. They didn't waste any money reading it. So <laughs> I guess that's I. I want to read that. I'm curious. I'm not even sure what it's about, but I want to read it. As someone who loves short stories and mythology, I feel like I can't really go wrong there. Absolutely. To give it a read. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's called The Warrior, and it's on Amazon. Just Christopher Daniel Barnes, The Warrior, and there it is. I think it's like three bucks or whatever. Fantastic. But like I said, I'm probably going to put it up on a site and let everybody have access to it. And I don't know if I can wait that long. I'll pay the three bucks. Can take. Well, this you'll be the other person that purchased it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we could put links to it on the website. Either absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah throw yeah. it on the Twitter as well. Okay. Absolutely, very Great. cool. So with Spider-Man, what an amazing show it was. Uh, just really redefined the character, I believe. Uh, had that badass intro by Joe Perry. I mean, yeah, all around awesome. great cartoon. How did that happen for you? How did you first become Spider-Man? I auditioned for it, uh, just like any any other role. And, and I was fortunate enough that they heard what I did and you know brought me in for a callback. And it was just that regular auditioning process. But I have to say, when I because I was a huge fan of Spider-Man. I mean, when I found out when I found out I was auditioning for Spider Man, I mean, I was like Will Ferrell in, in Elf. I was like, it's Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, I was you know because this was you know like, you know Marvel a Marvel deity. I mean, that, that's like saying you're you're going to be the you know the latest avatar of a Marvel god. Yeah. You're like, well, okay. And you know, again, some people might look at it as like, yeah, whatever, it's a job, da da da. I was like. Oh, my, and I was 22 at the time or something. So, and I still, you know, had that reaction. So I was just obsessed. I went over all the material. I read everything, but I had, I had read all the Spider-Man comics growing up. And so I was just sort of steeped in the mythology and, and the character. So I, I, I think that, you know, came across and, uh, and, and, well, the rest is history. You know, it, it all worked out, and it was a wonderful experience. When you took that job, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, vocal reference for what Spider-Man should sound like. There were a couple cartoons. That's a good point. Yeah. But um, that was about it. So mm-hmm. how did you decide what Peter Parker and Spider-Man should sound like? I, I don't know. I think that uh, I'm sure I was influenced by Dan's work uh, on Spider-Man and, and his amazing friends mm-hmm. uh, in the 80s, which I grew up on. And then, I <laughs> honestly, it's it's... Sounds silly, but I think because I read the comics so much, you know, when you read things, you you know, you hear it in your head, right? So I, it was my own voice that I was hearing in my head. So I had read so much of the comic, and sort of had been vocalizing that in my mind as a child growing up. That when it came time to actually vocalize it in a booth on a page, it was just oh, it's that voice. It's wow. me. You know, it's, it's the voice that I've always kind of heard in my head as I've read this to myself. It just but there it is. And it just and it worked. Just so kind of already equipped for the it journey. felt like that. Yeah, I felt like I was uh, I was sort of primed and ready uh, for that role because uh, I because lo- I love the character. I, again, Spider-Man is to me represents the uh, uh, I've said this before. He, Spider-Man is the he's the conflicted coming of age archetype. Everything about Spider-Man is conflicted coming of age. Mm-hmm. And curiously, I think that's why he is where he is in the Civil War saga. Right. Because first he goes with 
Iron Man, and then he goes with Cap. And he, he takes us on that journey because we're the ones that are conflicted. And I think that's one of the uh, qualities, that one of his, the universal appeal of Spider-Man is that we always feel that way. We're, we're very rarely sure of anything. We're always in this state of, of inner conflict, and, and so is Spider-Man, especially with things like power. You know, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, these are lofty, sort of heady ideals, and and uh, and Spider-Man always is always wrestling with that. And um, I think that's his appeal. And, and you know, again, I, I might just be overanalyzing it all, but it's fascinating. No. I, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the excellent things about Spider-Man is of, of all the heroes in the Marvel pantheon, he's the one you can project yourself onto because mm-hmm. at his core, yeah. he's just a guy dealing with extraordinary circumstances. And you think, right. well, how would I deal with that? How is he dealing with it? That's not much different from what I would do. But not Absolutely. only that, the at-home aspect, too, that it drives yeah, that yeah. so many people can relate to. The it's, way it changes his life. The, yeah. Dealing maybe, with those changes. Maybe that's why totally Jake agree. is team Spidey because he hasn't hit that that coming of oh, age that part. That part that where <laughs> Gotta bring age into the debate. <laughs> no, I, I you're, you're only making me more stubborn now. I hope you understand. <laughs> but isn't that why Marvel uh, superseded uh, DC for so many years? Because the DC experience... Felt rooted in the Cold War with these sort of I, these these lofty you know Olympian figures like you know Sp- Superman and, and you know there was this you couldn't really touch them they were they were you know these these impenetrable bigger figures. than life yeah and 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 you didn't and then all of a sudden you got one that comes along that's you know. You know, a teenager, nerd, awkward, dealing with stuff, and you know, another one's an alcoholic, and the next one is, you know, there's these very real human experiences that that made them relatable, and uh, and DC has, you know, obviously changed that with things like The Dark Knight because that's what The Dark Knight did; it humanized. Right, oh, that's true. You know, Batman and 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 then Amanda Steel and all that, and now all of a sudden that formula because that's that's the formula that works. People need to relate to it. I mean, at least the way I see it. Yeah, they they really did that with The Dark Knight, but I feel like in this newest movie with the Ben Affleck's Batman, they kind of took a bit of the reality away from the character. Back to that, like, dueling titans thing, where you're just very much an observer of a lowly mortal worm, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't... I don't don't really dig that. I I like the... uh, I like the... The human conflict. That's what I like. I think that's what everybody liked about the Christian Bale portrayal, was that you really felt like you could understand how this guy with money and some technology could could do this but when it's in the realm of like guy with utility belt kills demigod it's like (laughs) you start getting weird vibes and it's kind of feel you know and then and then you know superman's the jesus figure and you know and and don't get me wrong i all those references were fascinating i mean they were strewn throughout all the man of steel film which again fine you know it's, it's remarkable but it, it, it runs the danger of bringing it out of the sort of the visceral, you know, relatable into this, again, sort of lofty, theoretical, theological, speculative realm. And, uh, and that, that can kind of turn people off. And I think that might be some of the problem that, uh, that, that they're having with – I mean, I, what do I know? I, I'm just saying you – know, no, I mean, it, it, it makes sense. There's nothing wrong sense, with going yeah. far into the deep end of fantasy, pushing believability, but yeah. you need that human – connection intact they're just much bigger than the human condition yeah itself. they're so, so there's far no removed room to relate even yeah. batman you know yeah. ostensibly a regular guy you know defined by his humanity seems kind of inhuman in that movie sort mm, of. yeah i like to poke my head in on both ends i mean christian bale you know see how all the gears and cogs work right. and then get on the other side and kind of uh see it like we were talking the other day from kind of like a scared perspective or a scared they, they did a fantastic job with that angle yeah I think that was amazing that's a victory like when he goes swooshing out of that room and he's <laughs> yeah. just like you know a twirling black shadow you know it was that's really the cool. duality of the character though you've got the man you've got the legend and right something to be said <clears throat> for that this is turning into an awesome conversation <laughs> <laughs> now when you were uh, doing spider-man you got to work alongside many many talented uh, voice actors uh including ed asner who did uh, J. jonah jameson hank azaria who was eddie brock and uh, mark hamill would come in to do the hobgoblin yeah when you guys recorded these episodes were you all able to see each other and play off each other were you guys in your own booths recording separately how did that work we shot it. We shot it. We we <laughs> recorded it like an old radio show, um, and that's 
I think one of the reasons why it worked so well. We were all together in the booth. We were all uh, working with each other. We were all playing off each other. Those scenes with Mark, who is a madman. I mean, this is 20 years ago. <laughs> what a madman this cat was. And this was Luke Skywalker to me. So when Luke Skywalker comes in and, you know, busts out with this, you know, crazy hobgoblin thing, it was awesome. I mean, it was it was a weird juxtaposition, but it was really inspiring. And it, and it inspired me to to do better and uh, and to bring my performance to the next level. And uh, it, it was that way with everybody. We had a lot of big names on that show. And that's one of the things I think that uh, John Semper, who was the, the producer, um, writer, he's trying to do a new project called War of the Rocket Men. And War of the Rocket Men, he's got this Indiegogo thing. That's the new project we're all doing together because he, at the 20th anniversary of Spider-Man, we were on the panel at um, at uh, Com- uh, Stanley's Kamikaze Con. Oh wow! And yeah, and uh, and John got us all together, and he he pitched this new idea called War of the Rocket Men, and it's based on the uh, the um, uh, the uh, the Republic um, uh, industrials in the nineteen thirties and forties, and it's basically dealing with all those issues. Um, sort of like the, you know the Rocketeer theme. Um, fighting Nazis and the War of the Rocket Men is the the conflict that that you know evolves obviously uh, out of World War II, and it's going to be the entire cast of Spider Man. He's bringing us all back, so he's he's launched the oh, Indiegogo wow. campaign. Yeah, and uh, he's you know it's it's just up and running. It's I don't know like a week, not even a week, and uh, so he's got this fantastic artwork. And uh, it just it looks incredible. I think it would sound great because it's such a remarkable cast of of really talented people. Um, there's nothing out there like it. Uh, and also, I think it would address a lot of uh, cultural issues, which we think are relegated to the dustbin of history. And things like you know fascism and nationalism. N- no, those things are very very relevant. <laughs> And, uh, you know, without getting into it all, it's very relevant. And I think it's important that we have that discussion um, to remind us all, you know, what what that means. So it just visually, it's stunning. You know, the the, 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 the talent, I think, is uh, with a voiceover um, talent is, is wonderful. Um, the theme is great. And uh, and there's nothing really out, uh, out there like it. And I think that people would really respond to it. So that's that's the. That's the new sort of, and again, we would do it like an old radio show, again, inspired by kind of old radio shows. Right. So it's pretty exciting. We'll, we'll see where that goes. So War of the Rocket Man, it's going to be like an animated movie uh, or it's, a series? Well, or? The Indiegogo thing, uh, War of the Rocket Man, is to, I think, get the animatic made, which is like the, it's kind of like uh, doing the storyboard with the dialogue and a script and getting that made. And then... I think John wants to take it to eventually to sell it to a, to a network to get a series made. And I think it would be a fantastic series, not only because it's timely and it's relevant and it's interesting and there's nothing out there like it. And it's it's the, the artwork that he got done is just beautiful. It's just really interesting, but also because it's supremely marketable, I think. I don't see anything like this at uh, the conventions I go to. So right. I think there I think people would go cosplay crazy over something like this. So. I think it's just it's, it's a winner on all levels, so I'm happy to be a part of it. That okay. sounds fantastic. I, frankly, you had me at the title. But everything <laughs> else sounds excellent too. History, you know, tends to repeat itself with trends, and when the Rocketeer came out, that was that, that was, was huge. huge. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was such a good movie. So, you know, maybe enough time has lapsed. Like this is this would probably start a whole new trend. Probably, of yeah. The, yeah, I can't I, I wait to so. see it. If we could link it to the resurgence of Captain America, because Captain America, the resurgence of Captain America, has that's touched a chord in people. Right. And there's this there's this wonderful line in uh, I forget which movie it was where he says, "When they told me we won the war, they didn't tell me what we lost." Oh yeah, yeah. Right. remember that? And he's and I thought, wow, what a powerful thing because there is this sense of. We've become sort of unmoored. We, we, there's this, you know, hyper partisanship and, and this sort of, you know, everyone else is the other and, and, you know, everybody's devolving into this sort of vitriolic factionalism and, you know, where's the, we're all Americans in it together, you know, where's that? And, uh, and I think that Captain America sort of reminded people of that or touched that. And I think the Rocketeer could do the same thing. I think it could sort of be a unifying, you know, force saying, hey, everybody, remember what's really evil? 
It's like, stop, like everybody calm down, you know, like it's not the guy with the vaguely different opinion on domestic policy. It's, you know, I might two cents on it, but you know, (laughs) that's going to be cool. I can't wait to see that. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it does. I hope it's made. I hope it gets made. We have promos for it, which John's releasing and, and, uh, um, anyway, so yeah, it's, it's, and you said that's on Indiegogo it's, now? It's, it's on Indiegogo. It's got, uh, you got the Twitter thing going, um, War of the Rocket Man. So anyway. Okay. Yeah, well, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll bust, put that on the website, too, okay, and we'll uh, bust it on Twitter. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Done Sweet. and done. <laughs> right on. Now, having voiced Spider-Man for, uh, you know, so many years, you portrayed him longer than anyone, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think. Well, maybe Dan. I think because Dan uh, portrayed him in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. And then I think he did, was it Shattered? And it was Shattered Dimensions. Oh, did it? But but only by maybe a few years. (laughs) I I mean, I'm closing in, if not. So, yeah. (laughs) And I know I've done it consistently over, oh, my God, you know, 20 years. So, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Through, uh, you know, television shows and video games. What has been your favorite uh, representation of the character since you originally played him in the 90s series? Oh, boy. Okay. Well, obviously, my favorite would have been actually doing Spider Man in the 90s. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure, I think my next uh, favorite since since then would have been Spider Man Noir. That was a really interesting Spider. Mm, yeah, didn't that uh, was Spider Man Noir? Did that debut in was the the same series that Gwen's uh, um, Spider Gwen came from? Uh, the Spider Verse. Spider Verse. He's been around longer than that. Has he? Yeah, I've seen him here and there. That was a really interesting story. I mean, the character pretty much was. <laughs> Peter Parker, same family and everything. It was just set in a different time period, right? Yeah, it was a different time period. Again, it was very film noir, obviously. Yeah. Um, but a very interesting character, sort of you know darker, a little grittier, and I just had a lot of fun with it. I loved his uh, trench coat he had. And yeah, his, yeah he's he a pretty goggles. cool look. <laughs> That's right. the right fusion of that character in that time. He looked badass, to say the least. <laughs> a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And over the years, you've portrayed, like you were saying earlier, Spider-Man in uh, many you know, different video games and uh, other... Were there other TV shows? Or was it just other video games? No, it was... I think I, think I hold the record for uh, the most Spider-Man... In a career. I mean, yeah, I did Spider-Man in the series. I've done video games and other series and multiple Spider-Men in multiple universes. And, you know, so I think uh, I just actually recently um, there was uh, Ultimate Spider-Man with uh, Drake Bell. Um, the, the games that I did were with Josh Keaton, uh, who was fantastic. Okay. Uh, and then uh, Ultimate Spider-Man was which was on Disney XD uh, was the latest uh, television incarnation uh, with Drake Bell. And um, I played uh, – actually, I played several characters. I played Spider Knight, which was a, a heroic sort of Shakespearean him. spider. Uh, and then I played uh, uh, the Wolf Spider, which was this wonderful oh, villain, yes. this multidimensional spider villain. Um, and then I actually – I also played Electro, which was a lot of fun. Uh, to play some uh, some of the, the iconic villains. Right. So I, I just, I guess I'm the go-to guy for anything Spider-esque, Spider-related. <laughs> <laughs> Having voiced Spider-Man and all these characters over the past, you know, 20-plus years, how has the recording of the character or even the voicing of the character, has it changed, evolved any way for you? When they asked me to do uh, Spider-Man noir, I, I was kind of taken aback because... Spider-Man is in his, you know, teens or in his early 20s, and I still have a pretty good range. So, you know, if I pitch my voice up here, I can still kind of sound like Peter Parker and younger, but I wasn't sure if that's what they wanted or if that would be true to the character. I was a little concerned about that. And they said to me, no, 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 this is a whole different thing. You know, Spider-Man noir is sort of older and darker and, you know, there's a... And I said, okay, so he's basically me. (laughs) You know, he's... (laughs) And and that, that, that became fascinating. And, and, these other Spider-Men in these sort of multi-universe Spider-Men, they all have different qualities. So it's enabled me to to really sort of uh, take on lots of different uh, roles and characteristics. And, you know, Spider-Knight is very different from, you know, you know regular, you know, Spider-Man in, in, in the traditional dimension. And, you know, the wolf spider is very different or, 
you know, Spider-Man Noir and, and the 2099. These are all very different, you know, characters. So it's it's been a real pleasure to to have that opportunity uh, rather than just be limited to the one character, which, again, it's just it's a huge honor to be a part of it at all. So get to experience that full spectrum of the character. You know? Right. That's yeah, amazing. It, it is amazing. It's it's, it's spectacular and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I got it. It didn't get over my head now. <laughs> So when you set foot into a vocal booth, I mean, we just saw on uh, Twitter was a few days ago, you put a video up of uh, yourself recording uh, the symbiote Spider-Man. And that was really cool to see you in action. But do you have like any uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess like routine before you go into the vocal booth that you do. Are you very like uh, energetic moving around or you stay still? What's your process in the vocal booth? The process depends on the character that I'm playing. If if it's real introspective, like Spider-Man Noir was a very sort of, you know, internal, there there was almost a dark night quality to Spider-Man Noir. Um, So that was a, you know, more of an internal space. But if it's a, you know, megalomaniac, you know, maniacal villain like Electro, that, uh, that's a very different energy. Um, I tell this story because this is one of my favorite stories of working in the booth. I, I did this uh, this electro monologue. You know, he's he's going off about you know he's going to take over the world and this that and the other thing on the Ultimate Spider-Man, and I, I go through this whole speech, this whole paragraph, and I'm just you know losing my mind. And I I finish this I finish the speech, and I and I open my eyes, and I see one of the other actors. I forget who it was, but I see one of the other actors lean out from behind his his stand and look at me and go. Everything okay at home, man? <laughs> <laughs> now, if that's not an indicator, you're doing it right. I don't exactly. know why. Yeah, right. It was the best compliment I ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, this has been surreal, man. I want to thank you again for taking the time to do this. But before we go, um, you had mentioned, you know, the rocket. Excuse me. Let me turn my page back. I wrote down what you'd said. Yeah, War of the Rocket Men. War of the Rocket Men and uh, your short stories of warriors. Uh, is What else is on the horizon for you? What else is coming out? Uh, well, let's see. I think that's pretty much else what I got doing. I, I, I left, left acting completely, and then I, I kept doing voiceover work. So I still do voiceover work, but I, I left on camera stuff. Okay. So on the horizon, uh, yeah. yeah, it's you know short stories and uh, and uh, War of the Rocket Men and whatever voiceover you know other voiceover gigs might come up. But I only do voiceover now. I left the off the uh, on camera stuff behind a while ago, and like I said, I went back to school. I got my I got my bachelor's, and then I got my master's, and uh, I just sort of have a normal, regular life, except that I occasionally have the fantastic opportunity and privilege to go into the booth and do these wonderful projects. Um, but it's all fun now. It's all fun and there's no stress and it's just a joy. I do the convention thing once in a while, a few times a year. Um, and the rest of the time I'm just sort of a boring, normal guy, you know, looking at uh, computers, doing spreadsheets and, uh, <laughs> computer stuff. You know, and that's okay. You know, and, and I'm perfectly, that's, that's great. I'm totally happy with that. <laughs> that's good. So is that kind of why you uh, left the on-screen acting world, just to keep somewhat of a normal life and not, you know, succumb to stardom? Or what was your uh, reason for leaving uh, on-screen acting? So uh, I actually left acting after 9-11. Oh, wow. uh, That was okay. the, uh, yeah, I, I went back to school. I got my, my bachelor's, I got my master's, and then I, I made some uh, career changes and uh I, I retained the voiceover thing because it's easy to do and it's loads of fun and i it was the thing i liked most about acting but uh the rest of the time i'm just uh i'm i'm, I'm doing other things now and uh yeah and that that was that was that was the uh that was the inspiration well christopher this has been surreal we cannot wait to read these short stories uh Absolutely. you'll have to let us know when that website's up we'll uh definitely help push that for you and um, just thank you for being such a huge part of yeah. our uh, lives and childhood. It's it, It's been amazing to talk with you tonight. Extraordinary, really. Hey, well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all the kind words and the opportunity to talk. And, uh, and I really appreciate it. So thank you. All right, everyone. We hope you really enjoyed this interview with Christopher Daniel Barnes. Again, we had such a great time. Couldn't be a cooler guy. Yeah, and it's... One thing I forgot to point out when we uh, before we open the episode, it's it's the night of civil war. Yes, and we're talking to Spider Man. Yeah. You know? The timing couldn't work out better on something. The debut of the Marvel Spider Man in the movies. Yeah, and we're talking to Spider Man, one of the greats, the if not greatest. the great. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, surreal. Absolutely. So anyway, be sure to keep an uh, eye out on our website uh, as soon as Chris has something up for his uh, short stories and for this uh, project. 
you know, we're going to push it out there and make it available to you all. But in the meantime, he is uh, new on Twitter, and you can find him at Eric Spider Brady. And, uh, yeah, there's uh, some insight into what he's doing now, some cool things on there. Uh, the video of him, like we mentioned, in, in the, the booth. booth. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that cool. was really yeah. cool. So I like check it out. that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it this for this week. So, Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can see our show notes, our guest info. Go to our video page and see our YouTube videos. If you'd like to be a guest and promote your work on our show, send us an email on the contacts page. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And one other thing we need to mention quick. Jack, you want to mention it? The free comic book day giveaway featuring a comic book bundle for Stabity Bunny. Think Alike Productions helped us out and funded us some comics to give away to one lucky contestant. Yeah, that was really nice of them. And a and t-shirt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Their stickers. Stabity Bunny t-shirts, stickers, uh, the first three issues, right? Or mm-hmm. will four be out and by And the then? agency as well. The agency yeah, and, the salvagers. and Salvagers. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huge. Awesome huge. Stuff. Yeah, awesome titles from Think Alike Production. You will be very happy with them. So... Go to the website. Jack's has, Jack has a button on there you can hit to enter. Uh, Click the link, read it up, and then submit your entry. No there purchase necessary. Void where <laughs> prohibited. Yeah. And Jake will be pushing that on Twitter as well. That's so, uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to miss. So, And don't forget to check out many of the other uh, great shows right here on Con Radio, uh, Game Fix, Modern Geek. Hollow Justice. Con Smash. Con Smash. Uh, what else we have? Every day is Halloween. So many good shows Pure on there. Pure fandom. Yes. Common room. We're we're probably forgetting one. Superpower hour. Yeah. Keep going. The Hall of Justice. I think I said that. We'll we'll call it there. I think the, we need figuratively it. Figuratively speaking, is something figuratively funny. speaking, yeah. that's the one that was on the tip of my tongue. Couldn't remember. Gamer's Dominion. Gamer's that's Dominion. the newest one. There we go. Very cool. A lot of good shows. Many hours of entertainment. So check them out. Wizardworld.com. But until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And I am Jake Runyon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Well, hey, Candare Podcast. This is Greg Brady, and you're happening in a far out kind of way. I can't wait to see this movie. But wait, Timmy's blind. But what am I supposed to do? Why not try a podcast? Spirit! Spirit. All the comic and pop culture entertainment you could want in the Canned Air podcast. Finally, a form of entertainment not fully reliant on visual stimulation. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Helped us out with. Uh, so when you, I was going. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> science, 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 science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.